Montague's last. They say great things are achieved in the dead of night. Montague hoped it was true, as he hammered in the next nail with all the light that was left in him. His only illumination was the slice of moonlight shining through the window of the wretched dungeon which had been his home for the last five years. I'm Alena Fumalonje, and this is Letters. Today we continue with our Letters from Creative series, with a letter from a local Malawian writer, Ekari Mvundula. Ekari's letter is a letter to the girl holding the pen. This is a letter to writers. Writers who put their pen to paper but struggle to show that paper to the world. Writers who show their work to the world, get criticism, and decide to never show their work again. Writers who show their work regardless of people's opinions. This is a letter to all of us who write, even when it hurts. Sometimes especially when it hurts. In many ways, this was a letter written to me, and for me. Well, that's how I felt when I first heard it. This is Akari's letter to the girl holding the pen. To the girl holding the pen. When you first fall in love with words... It will be much easier to write them than speak them. There is safety in written words. You can erase and rewrite them to perfection, make them flawless. You whisper your deepest thoughts to your pen, and from them, the most vivid characters are born. You will always start off writing for yourself, where you write to smile, to cry, to cheer yourself up, to express your anger and sorrow. Your favorite writers have inspired you to walk in their footsteps, and you try creating your own versions of their captivating stories. But eventually, your gaze shifts, and you begin to examine your words with the critical outsider's eye. There is no way these words are good enough for anyone to read. Suddenly, it seems ridiculous that you even picked up the pen in the first place. This is your most crucial time as a writer. You come to a crossroads where you must decide if you will be brave and foolish enough to send your stories out, or if you will put down the pen forever. If you choose the harder path, prepare not for a sprint, but a marathon. Not everyone will love your stories. Some may even hate them. Most publishers will not publish your work. It will not be to their taste. They may insult it, or more likely ignore it completely. After knowing all of this, the question remains, why bother at all? Because your stories will speak to someone. The way you handle depression in your first story will be the spark that inspires a reader to seek help. The way you perfectly express the joy of playing pada will start a movement of fans who will use the slang you invented on their social media. The fact That you finished and published a story at all will inspire another girl to pick up her own pen. The formula is simple. The more you read and write, the better you will become. Your first story will pale in comparison to your tenth, and your fifth book will seem amateur compared to your fifteenth. But every book can touch a life if you put everything you have in each one. So, to the girl holding the pen, you hold your pen for yourself first.
but you keep going because your words have the power to change your world. Don't put that pen down. The short excerpt at the beginning of this episode was of Akari reading one of her short stories, Montague's Last, a story she spent about three years writing on and off. It's a story about a mystic Chewa slave in an 18th century French dungeon. This is just one of over 15 short stories that she has written, stories that have been published both online and in print. Akari is also known for heading the Story Inc. Africa storytelling sessions. This was actually where I first met her. In one of our earlier episodes, I mentioned writing a story about a family in pain that I read at a storytelling session. This was one of Story Inc. Africa's sessions. The theme of the session was animals, and each of the writers had been tasked with writing a story about animals. Akari was the host of the session and wasn't reading one of her stories, but she still got up on stage before everything had begun and expressed that before we started the session, she needed to read this eulogy that she had written for the late Didi Piri, a Malawian writer and historian who had passed away in March of 2019. I remember seeing the emotion in her eyes and hearing it in her voice as she spoke about this late Malawian writer who had inspired her and whose death had greatly affected her. I sat in the audience and silently but immediately connected to her. I connected with this woman whom I had just met, because even though I had never had the honor of meeting Didi Piri, I understood why she had written this eulogy and why she was now reciting it in front of a crowd of people she mostly didn't know. I understand what it is like to be so filled with emotion that you have to write it down. Spilling ink is a lot like bleeding. It can take a lot to bleed on stage and in public, but sometimes it is effortless because it is necessary. I caught up with um, Akari over the phone, and we had a conversation about writing and writing in Malawi and our identities as Malawian writers, as as Malawian women, and about this industry that we are trying to be a part of and trying to build. What is your name? Uh, my name is Akari Mvundula. And who are you? Um, I am a writer and uh, the founder of Story Inc. Africa. Uh, which is an organization that uh, supports local writers. How long has uh, Story in Africa been uh, been running? Um, it's uh, been operating since 2017, uh, November 2017, mm-hmm. uh, where we've been running events um, to showcase what up-and-coming young Malawian uh, writers have to, to offer in front of a live audience. What um what inspired you to to create it? Um, it's from my own experience as a writer, where I found that there were very limited options to you know to publish to showcase our work. There mm-hmm. there were a lot of spaces for artists and singers and and even poetry, but I didn't really see anything for fiction writers, uh, you know, writers of of, of prose, short story writers. Mm-hmm. So. 
yeah, I decided to to create a space uh, that that uh, you know we could we could come together uh, as writers, uh, build a community, uh, and and meet potential fans and readers. We spoke about dealing with criticism, something that every artist has to do at some point in their careers. Um, something that's quite hard to do, actually, especially when the criticism is coming from the people closest to you. It's even harder when the criticism comes from within, which is what I found happens with me, that sometimes criticism will be birthed outside from external sources, maybe the people closest to me, but then it rings in my head to the point that I begin to believe it and it becomes hard for me to create in your letter you spoke about um how people will hate your stories at some at some point it's one of the things you have to deal with that some people may not relate to them some people may hate them is that something Mm -hmm. that you've um you've experienced um yeah i have uh Basically, the way I looked at it is that you know, it's 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 better for them to hate them than to forget them. <laughs> better for them to to hate the stories than to forget the stories. Ah, uh, yeah. That's, that's that's one way or another. You know, they will they will remember you. So no, it was um, uh, it was a folk uh, story, like my own version of a folk story that that um. I had uh, written for um, the writer competition, which is like an Africa-wide competition uh, based in Nigeria. Mm. Um, and yeah, so so basically someone, uh, you know, it was open to voting and everything like that, you know, and, and, and people could comment on what they thought about the story and things like that. And so we had, I had one commenter say that uh, it was a, it was a disgrace to, you know, um, Steve uh, Chimombo and and you know sort oh, of wow. like yeah basically um <laughs> basically like because uh, because I think I I I kind of uh, adapted some of the legend of of, of Napolo and things like that so um yeah he was a fan of Steve Chimombo and then he didn't uh, uh, he didn't like how I'd uh, handled it which was fine I mean you know. Uh, there are a lot of other people who did like it and things like that. So you're gonna have people with uh, different opinions. Um, what I what I tell up and coming writers, like you know, aspiring writers, to do is go find your favorite author on on Amazon and look at their one star reviews. You know, so you know the, the the author that you think that everybody loves, someone will always you know have mm-hmm. something to say. You know, mm-hmm. that's because you know people are so different that we can't be expected to like everything. So you, you don't really want to focus on that. Yeah. Uh, but you want to focus on, you know, the people who's, who, who do enjoy your stories and, and, you know, continue writing um, to, to, to make them, you know, uh, happy. Yeah. Mm. Over the years, the world has decided that there is a blueprint to African literature, that African writers must write certain stories in order for our books to be recognized and appreciated. Western writers can write romance and romantic comedies as well as sci-fi and speculative fiction without their identities being questioned. Africans have no such privilege. 
Our work is not just expected, but required to empower and uplift. To tell the stories of struggle, war, poverty, and colonialism. Don't write a story about two teenagers falling in love in Nilongwe. No. Write a story about two teenagers falling in love in spite of the legacy of colonialism in their country. Don't just write a coming-of-age story of a girl in Nairobi. No. Write specifically about her escape from misogynistic cultural practices. My problem with this way of thinking and analyzing African literature is that it expects African writers to ignore one of the biggest rules of writing, which is to show rather than tell. For example, in this podcast, I don't need to tell you that I am an African woman who has been heavily influenced by the West. The fact that I am recording a segment about African literature in English speaks for itself. That is the same with our writing. You cannot divorce Africa from its past and from its struggles. Describing the architecture of Lilongwe City or the infrastructure, the food, the community will tell you all you need to know. We don't need to give our writers an agenda. Trust us to know enough about our personal Africanness to be able to bring that out on a page authentically. Before I continue too long on this train of thought, the late Binyavanga Wainaina wrote an essay on this specific topic of the expectation society has of African writing called How to Write About Africa where he explained all of this a lot more eloquently. I've been told that, uh, you know, great story, but you should write something that's more Malawian and things like that. Mm. And, you know, it's a complex conversation, and I've had it uh, a few times with, you know, uh, people who are, you know, more experienced uh, than me and and even those uh, who who look up to me as well, where... um, well, what our definition of what Malawian is, you know, um, can 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 has, can go on a spectrum because, you know, we we are we aren't uh, in a bubble. We are sort of affected by um, the influence of other cultures and you know even our education systems and things like that. Mm. Um, which is, you know, a lot of the times when people complain about artists who, you know, have gotten to a certain level and they don't have the right accent, they don't have the right whatever, Mm. is because they come from that educated background that is, you know, Western-based and everything like that, and and that's kind of how they've been. I think um, uh, a writer should first start, you know, write write what it is that you feel um, is truest to yourself, you know. Uh, first and foremost um and you know it's a journey and and uh, i i do believe that there's an importance to bring out uh, the malawian um identity um in 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 a way that is coming from your unique perspective um but uh at the same time you know you can't get too stuck in that box like you know you'd have a lot of uh, of, of of uh, you know national competitions who you know would re- would uh criticize certain stories just because they didn't have s- specific elements that they deemed as malawian like whether it's like you know we need to have some cows or something <laughs> sort of setting you know kind of thing uh which is like very very uh narrow but at the same time I do understand there the you know a lot of 
young writers especially, they'll write a story where you can't even see anything uh, um, Malawian in that story, mm. you know. And 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 there's a there's a balance between writing that's true to yourself and also not trying to kind of uh, be too commercial that you you erase what what is unique about about your experience as a Malawian, mm. you know. So I just encourage writers to really just you know lend more of what they they experience in the day to day. Um, because whichever side of Malawi they experience, um, you know, that's something that they can bring to a story that, that no other writer, you know, from, from other countries can bring. So it's only, it's only going to be a strength. Yeah. Um, but it's all a learning process. Uh, we're still a very young industry. Mm, so, um, I think there's still room, there should still be room for experimentation without people trying to dictate, you you must write this and you must write that. Mm. Um, There should be enough room for us to, for for you to find, you know, deeply Malawian stories, even written in vernacular, all the way to, you know, a story that just happened to be written by Malawian, but can be, you know, referenced anywhere. Like, you know, story can take you to another planet, you know, if, if, uh, if your imagination takes you there and things like that and you know it doesn't necessarily you know um, always link to the, the identity of the writer themselves yeah yeah so so I think just the more of us that write the more variety there's going to be but mm. I don't think anyone external should pressure anyone to say that you must write more this more that mm. in fact when people say that I kind of feel like okay you have an idea of what story you want why don't you write that story you know mm. Instead of uh, trying to get you know other writers to 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 do so, yeah. So, so yeah, that's uh, that's just a tip of the iceberg of what I have to say on that topic. But it's yeah. a very complex, yeah, evolving topic. Yeah, and I think um, like what you said, the more of us that write, the more variety there is. I think also as a like a writer individually, the more that you write, the more the more your writing develops. Um, like I think there was. Um, I used to, when I, I think I started writing when I was in like primary school probably. Um, but I started thinking of myself more as an African writer in secondary school and then later on more as a Malawian writer. Um, but yeah. it wasn't something that I had thought about initially when I was writing because I was a kid reading Harry Potter. I was a exactly. kid reading all yeah. these uh, Western books. So I ended up imitating a lot of the things that I read, um, mm-hmm. unintentionally. And I think it was in, when I was in like form six, where I was reading um, Jimamanda Adichie's, uh, I think she had an interview with someone, mm-hmm. was, and she had said something that when she had started writing and reading, she would read a lot of things. Um, she read about like apples in the states, how in the states they would eat apples, and in the states they would have winter, and um, she would end up kind of imitating that until she realized, wait, I live in Nigeria, we eat mangoes, and we don't have winter, and it's yeah. like small things like that that you don't notice that you're incorporating into your writing, um, writing yeah. about summer, because um, Americans speak, speak a lot about summertime. Here, summer is a different time, and summer isn't that long holiday here. That long holiday here is actually the it's the cold season. Mm-hmm. So it's like small things like that that you don't realize are in your writing until you've written more mm-hmm. and you've read more of your own writing and you've had other people read your writing and tell you that, oh, okay, is this, um, where did you get this idea from? Like other people questioning you, so it makes you question yourself um, yeah. as yeah. well. Uh, something I remembered from the storytelling session that I read at at um, 
the wildlife center when we, we had a Q&A and mm. someone had asked, uh, had posed a question to the panel and they had said, um, I love the stories, but I just wanted to say that I wish you guys would write more African stories and I wish you would write more stories that would um, inspire your young girl in Kota Kota to, to like to impact stories that would empower her. And I had been thinking about that, that, that comment for, for a long time and how I think his comment specifically was on the fact that a lot of the stories were sci-fi and that yeah. he didn't think sci-fi was relatable. Yes. Relatable in the Malawian context. Um, mm. and I know you write a lot of speculative fiction and, uh, a lot of sci-fi. So I wanted to ask what you think, um, like the effect sci-fi has on the average Malawian or the effect sci-fi can have. Mm. Um, well, I think, uh, sci-fi is taken as a sort of like, okay, real things aren't, uh, things, things that, um, are, are possible in this world are not happening in that story, or, you know, there's impossible things happening or futuristic things happening, therefore it's not relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's, that's not necessarily true. Um, I, they, I mean, take some of the stories that have made international appeal, including in Malawi. Like if you talk about uh, the Avengers and things like that, that's sci-fi. That's you know, uh, speculative uh, fiction. But there's something about that that has an appeal globally, um, and it's because the sci-fi is just the the sort of the chassis of the of the story. You know, it's just it's just uh, the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the story gets carried in. But the story itself, the story is about, you know, courage and, you know, overcoming the odds and love. And so I don't think, like, saying that sci-fi is like um, something you, you, it can't relate, you can't relate to it. It's, it's, oh, it's almost not, it's, it's not a valid uh, point because you can have a sci-fi story which has, uh, something that you know a girl from Kodagoda can 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 relate to mm. um nonetheless when you when you when you read the you know the locally written books it's 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 um it it they often dig into sort of the the dark, the, the 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 more struggle side i guess of of of, of yeah. that uh which can be a downer especially for a kid like you're just like okay you know i'm i'm if I'm living that life, you know, of struggle, why would I then want to pick up a book and read about it? And read about it. So I think a lot of a lot of like um, writers that come to the storytelling session, they write to, uh, you know, partially as a form of escapism to say that I, I, I want to envision another world. And of course, you know, maybe maybe, you know, it may go a little bit far in terms of just being disconnected from their current reality completely. Which, you know, we can, we can work on, we can, you know, um, say that, okay, maybe we can not, not go too far out into the, into the realm of escapism and, and, and bring something that's a little bit more relatable. But I, I would rather, I would rather introduce a book like that to, you know, to, to that girl in Kodagoda, which will bring her a bit of hope, um, as opposed to, hey, let's, let's, let's write about, you know, all this dark, depressing stuff. Um, I, I I went on my own sort of uh, vision quest, I suppose you can say, of reading African books. But I, it's like I had to intentionally do that. Otherwise, mm. if I just picked up, if I just picked up, oh, let me just pick up a book that I think I'll like. 
more, more likely than not, it would be something that was written in the West. So it was yeah. a matter of like, okay, no, there's a gap here in my, in my, in my literary education. Mm. Let me read more African stuff. And some of it was felt, felt a lot like homework, to be honest. Yeah. Um, uh, because of that, like, okay, I like to read stuff that'll, that'll cheer me up, that'll make me feel, um, those, those sort of feelings of triumph and, and African books, I don't know what it is that has really guided that. And maybe it's that pressure from all these other sources, you know, saying that African books should be this and that, but they all just kind of like sink into the, 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 the darkest of, you know, human conditions and things like that without much hope at the end of the book. Um, mm. So, I mean, there are, there were a few exceptions here and there, but that seemed to be the trend. So I'm like, okay, fine. I, I need to know where my counterparts are, are coming from. Um, so that I can, I can then, you know, uh, see where I fit in in terms of my contribution to the African, you know, literature, uh, yeah. world. But, um, I, I certainly would want to write in a kind of different direction from that general vibe and, and, and bring a bit of excitement, bring a bit of adventure. Because the thing is, that same kid in 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 Kota Kota will 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 enjoy if you introduce a, an Avengers movie, they'll enjoy that. Yeah. So I don't understand why we cannot bring something like that from an African source. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, they probably like Black Panther even, and you know, that's sort of like a watered down <laughs> Africanness. That's like <laughs> fiction. You yeah. know. Um. So yeah. I, I, to those people, I would, I would just ask them to, you know, open their imaginations a bit and, and not assume that, you know, someone is not going to find it relatable, um, or inspiring just mm. because it's, it's not specifically straight out of an NGO pamphlet, you know, and just expanded into a story. Yeah. Um, I would love to see a time when, um, we just have like an influx of books where you can pick up, a. Uh, you can go and look for like maybe a trashy romance novel and find a Malawian yeah. writer who's written because that's the kind of stuff that I'd like to escape into just like yeah. romance novels and um, things that don't you don't want to think too much especially if you spend your whole day thinking um, mm. you don't want to now open a book and also be thinking if you yeah. sp- spend your whole day looking at the the state of things in the country and the continent and it's and it's um harrowing things you don't want to open your book and see the same thing um so it'd be nice to have that variety when we were talking about describing african cities and countries well enough in your writing that your fellow africans can recognize them and feel them to be african akari said something interesting that i had never actually thought of before she spoke of how Art and writing specifically can contribute to a country's tourism the way that the Empire State Building has been described over the years throughout American movies and books, how that has affected American tourism, how that draws people into the country and makes people want to visit it is the same way that us as Malawians and Malawian writers can use our craft to draw people into Malawi and show them what we've experienced to be Malawi. Uh, there's a lot of amazing places uh, in, 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 in Malawi. You know, we've got everything from, you know, flatlands and lakes to mountains and, and, and things. And 
you know, uh, and I've seen a lot and, and, and my dream really is to be able to put that into a tangible, you know, uh, fictional world where, where it'll actually make people want to uh, visit. Mm. I mean, basically part of tourism, you know, I mean, how many people know, you know, where the Empire State Building is, you know, mm. um, and you just know off the bat. And that, and part of tourism is how artists have, in, has, have included those things, you know, as a matter of, of pride, you know, uh, in a city, in, in, in their country. Mm, you know, there's so many movies, so many things that they, and, and yeah, maybe some of the stories, they don't necessarily do very nice things to those things. They like blow, blow it up, and, you know, mm. with an alien invasion. And like, but the, the, the point is that it's so iconic because because it's been so well described in so many pieces of fiction and so many you know there's been so many fictional proposals at the top of the empire state building and you know um and and now you can imagine someone in their real life will be like hey i've got a chance to go to america i've got to go see the empire state building yeah. why because a hundred movies and books have told them how amazing the space is. so i believe we can we can do the same thing and not necessarily as a conscious agenda although maybe so that we can catch up a little bit, uh, we can, you know, maybe make an, a, a, a conscious agenda to say, uh, you know, guys, let's 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 write about uh, Banda. Let's make it let's make it recognizable. Let's write about Lilongwe. Let's write about Smulanji, whatever. Um, so so if someone can tie all these pieces of art, uh, pieces of uh, fiction and art and things like that, to be like, okay, you know, everyone's talking about this this place. Let's 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 go see what it's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be quite powerful. Yeah. Yeah, if we allow it to be. Thank you for listening to this episode of Letters. The music in this episode is brought to you by The Dream Manifest, and the music in our outro was produced by Made by Cap. If you like our content, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. This helps to make sure that more people have a chance to hear the podcast. You can also go follow Warner Collective on Twitter and Facebook at Warner Collective and on Instagram at Warner underscore Collective and on YouTube as well. All the letters featured here are also available as visual animations on our Instagram page and our YouTube channel. Thanks again for listening to this episode. On the next episode of Letters. So I, 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 uh, I like it more, I should say. I like myself more as an artist. So and I, I grew up liking myself as an artist. And uh, when I was little, I remember drawing on the walls of our house with charcoal. <laughs> and then my mom used to be very furious with me. You'd make me wash uh, the walls, clean the walls, and then I would draw again. And then I would, it was just like, and uh, I appreciate that you am valued, I should say. So, mm. yes. Uh, my name is Eva Chikabadwa. And who are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, in simple terms, I see myself as an artist. I'm a sculptor, a painter, and a ceramist. Mm. 